those boyhood friends, Ron and Dave. I mean, Ron and Delbert. I'm just kidding. Here's Ronna and Donna. (laughs) Hey, you guys, what's going on? Welcome to episode 424 now of the Ron and Don Show. And heck yeah, we are live from the Les Schwab studio. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, coming up on the Ron and Don Show, uh, Mickey Mouse. Yeah, is he leaving? Uh, Disney World and Disneyland and the world of Disney. We got to talk about that. Also, also really important student enrollment dropping here in Seattle. What does that mean? It started dropping well before COVID. Before we get to that, though, let's get to this. Some new numbers out right now that may make buyers say, wow. I think I'm going to jump back into the market, maybe in Pierce County or in King County or Snohomish or Snoqualmie, wherever it is you live. Maybe you're up in Island County. Maybe you're going to jump back in because it seems like when it comes to pricing, we're seeing some prices begin not to crash and fall and go boom and bust, uh, but they are decelerating a little bit, Ron. Uh, some new numbers, right? That is correct. So Seattle Times just did a big study. And so I do want to take one second to tell them, tell everybody how they do this. So month over month, uh, there is a, a, a company that compiles all these real estate st- statistics, and then they publish them. So by the time the Seattle Times, when you see these stories, just always, always remember, it is at least one month in, in the past. So when, when you see that story, and a lot of times we'll deal with this uh, when we're getting ready to list a home or when you have a buyer that wants to buy a home, with you choose Ron and Don as your real estate agents. They read a story like this, not realizing that it represents what happened a month ago. But it is a good uh, snapshot, and it does give you a good trend line. And so right now, the market can, the market can change in a matter of days sometimes, uh, and we've seen that happen. Uh, but so a month ago, basically, is what we're looking at. And what they what they've done, and you can go go to Seattle Times and just look up this story and see all the graphs and all the numbers. But what we've seen specifically in King County uh, and in Pierce County and Snohomish County uh, and uh, only uh, Kitsap County is the only county that did that buck this trend is you had a sharp increase that lasted basically all of 2022, going back into the last part of 2021, and just it's almost. Not straight up, but like it's hockey stick going up uh, in the median price of homes in those counties I just mentioned. And then for the first time, uh, we saw it level off and start to level off in April and May. And then now it, in May to June, you saw a slight decrease. It is dipped back down. And so that is across the board. So when you the indicators are looking at is median price. It's funny that the newspaper has to describe what median is. That means half the prices are higher, half the prices are lower. Why are you explaining it? Because maybe they're right and I'm wrong. And <laughs> everybody doesn't know what the word median means. So you have the median price. Uh, then you have. Let me, let me make fun of the newspaper and then I'm going to do exactly, exactly what, what the, the newspaper, newspaper just did. did. <laughs> the, the other statistics they look at is how many price reductions 
do you have in the MLS? And so uh, when whenever you have to change the price on a home, it gets logged in this database and then this the research comes out with the number of price reductions. So that has increased. Days on market has increased and home escalation uh, selling above list price has decreased. And so the MLS in, in, in Seattle does a great job of publishing this data so that consumers can be really informed about the trend lines that are going on. So I'll, I'll just, I serve that up to you, Don. We have lower prices. Not, not, it, it's not a crash, but it has gone down, I think, around 6%. So th- this is the average across all homes in King County and in Pierce County. Average price has gone down. Number of days on market has gone up. And you have interest rates have gone up and rent prices have skyrocketed. Uh, and so what do you see when all those things hit? You? Well, what I see is sellers and real estate agents getting together and trying to create pressure, right? And as agents representing sellers, we did this. We did this in this marketplace. We wanted to create pressure. The way that you create pressure is when you sit down and come up with a strategy and selling a house, you ask your client a number of things. But two important questions are, Do you want to just receive offers as they come and decide if we want to accept an offer or not? Or do we want to set an arbitrary date, maybe six, seven days from now? So when agents call and they say, we have an interest in the house, and we say, well, you know, we're not taking early offers. We're going to wait until July 6th, let's say. And on July 6th, we're going to take all these offers, and then we'll be in touch on July 6th, and... If your offer is kind of in the neighborhood of where we're trying to land, and let's say that we have three or four other offers, what we're going to do is we're going to contact everyone and give you a chance to resubmit and offer more money. So that's what was happening. And what sellers were doing, if they they felt their house was worth 1.6, a lot of them weren't asking 1.6. They were asking 1.3 and 1.4. Because what they knew is that kind of pressure of the offer review day would possibly bring in two, three, five, six, fourteen 14 people that would all compete and it would escalate the price way past 1.6. Maybe get them to 1.7, maybe get them to 1.8. So that's how all that was working. Now, with interest rates, we have a lot of buyers that are out of the market. And so now you see a shift. Ron and I were looking at a house the other day. And the, and the real estate agent said no. And this was on day one. Three, four, five, six months ago, they would have told you when we contacted them, are you taking offers on day one? Or do you have an offer review date? And they say, well, we want to create some pressure. So we're going to wait for the offer review day. Real estate agents are waiting for that now. What they're doing is they're trying to take these homes now. And they are trying to see if they can steer these homes, put them on the money and say, hey, we want one six. We're asking one six. There is no offer review date. We understand there's less buyers. There's not going to be an escalation. So therefore, on day two, if you got one six, right for one six, and maybe even right for one five five. So the discounts, the discounts that we weren't seeing, we're beginning to see. But a lot of the pressure that we felt was really real estate agents going out and just doing their very best for sellers. And now there's a switch here, right? There's a switch where now what can we do that would be the very best for buyers? You know what you can do? 
You start putting contingencies on things. So all these things that were waived and people said, I, you know, I'm going to come in, I'm going to buy cash, I'm going to waive the inspection, I'm going to waive finance, I'm going to waive all that stuff. So now when you're representing a buyer, you put all those contingencies on a property, you see if you can take it off market, you see if you can put an inspection on it, you get your inspection report back, you take a second bite of the apple and you start driving that price down. So let's go back to that one six house that somebody was going to ask one three and create pressure and try to get to one seven one eight. So let's say you have a buyer and you're right at one six, but you throw an inspection contingency on it. Then you come back and you say, "Hey, to the seller, this has a bad roof. This has a foundation issue, and uh, we have to make sure that the panel, the panel has old aluminum wiring in it. So what we want to do, it's going to cost a hundred grand to fix this, and we'd like you to pay fifty, and we'll pay fifty. And you start working the seller that way. So what I see happening right now in the market is actually very healthy for buyers. And I think as far as sellers go, sellers are still going to do very well because there's not a lot of properties for sale. So Yeah, I agree. And what do you say to people that go, oh my gosh, sky is falling. This thing has dropped 6%. What's to stop it from dropping to 26% or 36% or 56%? Um, is the sky falling in the way that, that you look at just the Seattle metropolitan area in general, Don. Yeah. Is the sky falling? Yeah. No, it didn't fall. In fact, let me look outside right now. Nice stratus cumulus clouds out there. Yeah, nothing's falling. We're in good shape. Hey, if you need us, just reach out. Let's sit down together. Run it on sitdown.com. Don't go anywhere. See you on the other side. John and Lauren Greenland were longtime listeners of Ron and Don, so when they needed to sell, they called the guys and were immediately glad they did. It really helps to have somebody who knows the market, knows the process, understands construction, that can just point you in the right direction. So I really appreciated that about working with the team. The Greenlands say, unlike other realtors, Ron and Don were intimately engaged in every step of the process, not only advising them on where and where not to spend money to get the house ready, but they actually rolled up their sleeves and helped out on projects all over, even hauling stuff to the dump. We actually felt like we were their only customers because of all the attention that they paid to us. They were all in with us on this project, including on a Sunday night when we would have a question. They were there every step of the way. Still, the bottom line was the bottom line. When I said what I thought we could get, they were just kind of dead silent, like, you can get a lot more than that. So we were thrilled. And they did, closing for far more than they could have imagined. And the Greenlands say they got way more than just a great price. There was a friendship that developed and a, and a, and a trust. We love them. So when it's your time to sell, get more for your door. Schedule your Ron and Don sit down today at ronanddon.com. Here's my dad and his boyhood friend, Mr. Ron, and my dad, Don. All right, you guys. Hey, welcome back to uh, the Ron and Don Show, a story that a lot of people are talking about is the fact, and I think we saw this through COVID, that there's a lot of kids that stopped going to school. They didn't jump online for online uh, learning, and now they've kind of fallen through the cracks, and we're seeing enrollment right now actually drop in the city of Seattle. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm curious to, to what you think about this as, as a dad and, and a kid that is, has gone to public schools. So like you said, there, there's two things going on. One is what you just mentioned, that with COVID, uh, people just stopped. They pulled their kid out of school. Some of them did remote learning. There's a segment 
of, of folks that can afford to send their kid to private school. And so you are seeing uh, quite a few students in the Seattle metropolitan area, get peeled out of public school. Their parents are now paying for them to go to private school. The second thing that happened is you had quite a few people whose parents were able to do uh, work remotely that said, I'm getting out of, of downtown Seattle. I'm getting out of Puget Sound. Maybe I'm going to live uh, in a rural area and my kid can, I can work remotely and my kid can go to school remotely or there's a school district out there. So those two things happened. The interesting thing to me on this is that the way school budgets work in the city of Seattle, at least in surrounding areas is it's all based on student enrollment. So if your budget last year was X and your student enrollment for the following school year goes down, that means you get less money the next year. And then you're having to deal, we're, we're in an inflationary market, your budget went down. So that's when you start to see all the programs get cut. I remember many times when, when your son was in elementary school that like, you're buying Kleenex for the classroom, or they asked the parents to buy school supplies that you would think the school would have supplied. But it was the parents like, hey, parents, we need you to step up and buy these school supplies because our budget is, doesn't allow us to buy these school supplies. Um, I don't know. Like I, I, I went through public schools. You went through public schools. I think a robust public school system that has sports and activities and shop class and music class and chess clubs and drama programs. Um, to me, that gives your kid the opportunity to experience a lot of different things and figure out who the, what their identity is and what they like. It really bothers me. And that's why when we were in terrestrial radio, we jumped in to help get a field built at Cleveland High School because you want kids to be able to use the field and see if they if that's their thing, if they're into track, if they're into football, if they're into soccer, um, to be part of the team sport. So when these budgets go down, I worry that, A, uh, teachers are going to start to jump over to these private schools. The, the best teachers are going to just leave. B, the programs, all the programs that I liked, music and computer programming and athletics and shop class, all those things are going to go away. And now we're just a, a factory to produce kids that can take those standardized tests. Yeah. yeah. I have a lot of thoughts on this. I think my, the elementary school that, that my son went to, they just had to add on another wing to it. There's all these people that are coming from Amazon and they have young kids or they're having kids. It's interesting because all his best, he had he had five different friends that he was really close to in elementary school. None of them went to middle school with him. They either moved away because of COVID. Uh, some of them moved back to the Midwest. One young man moved to Florida. People were moving back closer to family, right? Because they needed family. They needed grandma and grandpa to help out with childcare because you couldn't go out and hire a nanny or hire a babysitter. So there was a lot of those things that happened. And then I also think this is a real great time to just kind of reimagine school. My 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 son spends most of the day in middle school, and it's a public school, just being bored. And the kids that aren't bored are on their phones. I'm amazed how they're allowed to be on their phones. And I sit outside his middle school sometimes, and I watch as he's coming out of middle school. This is typically where you'd be joking around with other kids or, or pushing each other around or maybe playing some basketball or, you know, jumping on your skateboard, whatever that it is. Every kid that comes out of school, it's it's the kids that have the phones and don't have the phones. As soon as they walk out, they're 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 they're, they're 
they're even in the crosswalk and they're just like their parents. They're just staring at that screen. They're just staring at that phone. And we didn't go to public schools when you had to deal with phones. I talked to one of my friends that, that is a public school teacher down in Arizona. And I said, how do you deal with the phone situation? There's a lot of parents say, well, I want my kids to have that phone. It's a safety issue. Right. So, 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 so what she does is she has a basket. And when kids come to class, and she always has really cool music playing, she says, and you have to put your phone in the basket. You have to shut your phone off and put your phone in the basket. And she says each and every day she enters that classroom with a lot of intention. But she says what she is fighting, she's fighting those screens. And she's fighting the fact that a lot of these kids are on social media. They see themselves in that phone and on social media. Think, Think about how you feel. When summertime rolls, let's take July 4th, for instance, and you look and you see your friends and they're out on boats or you see beautiful women in bikinis or people are having a great time water skiing or they're out on the river, they're sailing somewhere, the Port of Vallada or whatever. And, and, and maybe what you did on the 4th of July is you sat at home and you ate some popcorn and maybe you watched the the 4th of July on TV something like that and think as an adult about the pressure that you feel when you look at Facebook and you feel like you're not adding up now be a 12 year old and do that and try to navigate that and then we scratch our heads and we wonder why so many kids and so many children are committing suicide Ron and I uh, had a friend when we were in terrestrial radio and he had a daughter that kept trying to kill herself, trying to kill herself, trying to, she was very young. And I asked him, I said, if there's anything you could change, what would you, what, what would you do? And he said, you know what? I would, I would, I would take phones out of, out of the hands of every kid, including my daughter. And I'd say, you know what, when you're, when you're, when you're a senior in high school, we'll hand you your phone and you'll be on your way. So, so I think, I think phones I think screens have made kids less interesting. It's made them less curious. Sometimes boredom is good because it drives you to go build a, a, a ramp and jump your friends like we did in Grandwood Park, Illinois, and build choppers and build four. I, I was walking through Discovery Park with my son the other day, and I was telling him about all these cool forts that we used to build in this farmer's field. And so he's like, well, we should build a fort out here. He had never heard of anything like that. So that's my concern when it, when it comes to kids when it comes to their enrollment in school. And even more than that, school is supposed to be a place where we're starting to figure ourselves out, just not mentally and emotionally and and physically and spiritually, but also socially. And I have to say, I'm pretty amazed at all my son's friends and the way they can't talk to each other. And even when they come over to this house, they sit there and they're all on their screens. They don't talk to each other, and it is heartbreaking to me. Yeah, no, I I, I think that that's that's interesting to hear from your perspective. I, I think I don't know, like like uh, for years I've voluntarily every time we had a voting amendment that's like, do you want your taxes to increase to pay for schools? I always check yes, uh, even even though I don't have kids in school. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. Making these schools an inviting place that where it's not boring and a kid can find themselves like that, that is what it's all about. Yeah. We'll see you guys on the other side. All 
All right, you guys, Ron and Don here with uh, Mitch Not Loans, one of the great advertisers here on the Ron and Don podcast. This is unique. We had a couple listeners that reached out to Ron and said, hey, we'd like uh, you guys to sell our home out here in Snoqualmie. And then we have a couple listeners that listened to this podcast that wanted to buy that home. So our buyers and sellers were part of the Ron and Don Nation. And guess what the buyer did who listened to the podcast? They reached out to you in order to get the financing done. So everybody in this transaction was part of the Ron and Don Nation. That was pretty cool, wasn't it? It was really cool. It was great. Yeah, no, um, I had a client reach out to me, and I didn't actually hear at first where where he was calling from. And he said, no, I heard you on the podcast. I'm part of Ron and Don Nation. Let's save some money. And so we worked with him, um, and then it turned out the house that he fell in love with was a Ron and Don listed home, which was just great. That is super cool. It was a very smooth close as well. Everybody's extremely happy with that deal. So if you listen to this show, the other real estate agent also in the Ronadon Nation. So that was pretty cool. Go to Mitch.loans. Mitch will do a Zoom with you. You'll do a phone call, talk about your goals, whether it's purchasing a new house or a second house, a vacation house. He's got you covered. Go to Mitch.loans and ask him, how do I get that one half percent back uh, towards my deal? Mitch.loans. All right, you guys, welcome back to the Ron and Don Show. Don't forget, if you need us, buying, selling, investing, you just need to talk about real estate. Yeah, we're not just your broadcasters. We're here to be your real estate agents and consultants as well. Uh, all you have to do is go to Ron and Don Sit Down, and we can send you a buyer or seller playbook today, too. Yeah, and if you want to just uh, feel more comfortable reaching out to me directly, uh, you can just email me, ron at ronanddon.com, or you can email Don directly, don at ronanddon.com. Yeah. Uh, I have to say, I there there. There's there's some news out this week that uh, Mickey Mouse may be leaving the wonderful world of Disney. Where's he going? I don't know. Uh, evidently, uh, Disney had signed on, I think, to have Mickey come aboard for like 90 years or 100 years or something like that. And I guess time has run out. And as a result of that, Disney will no longer... It's possible they may not have the rights to Mickey Mouse... I'm just wondering, though, where if Mickey isn't a part of Disney, and it seems like somebody's trying to use some leverage here to uh, maybe garner some more money, could that actually happen? I think so. Where 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 does Mickey go? Knott's Berry is, Farm? Is this a? I don't think Knott's Berry Farm is around anymore, right? Is this so like a public domain? What's, thing what's, he, what's he going to do? Go hang out in the Marvel Universe? I mean, what do you? That would be funny. But but I think the Marvel Universe is part of Disney, right? When I go to Disney Plus, yeah, Marvel is already so. So I just I just I, where do you tuck Mickey in if he's not there at the gates of Disney World and Disneyland? What do you what do you what do you, what do you do with him? I mean, Walt Disney created Mickey Mouse, so I'm assuming that this is either like a. Uh, a public domain thing or that somebody tried to buy the right, the copyright to that, or it's expiring or some such. I, I would think that Disney would do everything in their power to, to keep that asset around. Yeah. It's interesting what Disney is doing right now. And I don't know if you've seen this, but they come up with some crazy trips. Like for instance, where they will pick you up on a private jet and you'll pay $150,000 and then they'll take you to every amusement park that they own, like in a, two-week span for instance uh and they say that these things sell out all the time and that this is kind of a new thing that disney is doing and maybe we'll see uh some other amusement parks around around the world do this as well i have to say one of my favorite things is late at night when it's raining here in seattle 
and it's like a Tuesday night and I really want to freak myself out. I love going to the internet and looking at the pictures of abandoned malls. And I love going to the internet and looking at pictures of abandoned amusement parks and especially the six flags that is in new Orleans that flooded back in 2005. They had a little hurricane there. Don't know if you heard of it wrong called Katrina and, and six flags just sits there today. And so there's a lot of urban trekkers and photographers that will go into these old amusement parks and these old malls. I saw one the other day where they had found an old Burger King behind a wall. Really? <laughs> yeah, and the fry machine was still there and all the tables are still there, the chairs are still there. It was it was it was like it was it was like Burger King 1972 and I just I just wanted to order a Whopper. It was in really good shape actually. But have you ever done that? Have you had an opportunity to look at some of the pic- I want you to do this. Next time it's raining, it's Tuesday night, and you want to freak yourself out a little bit, go take some pictures of some abandoned amusement parks or look at some pictures of some abandoned amusement parks. They're pretty cool. I've done that with the Six Flags specifically because I've been there. But I was just showing houses yesterday on the east side. Do you remember the Sears and Roebuck? You you and I used to go there all the time. uh, In Bellevue? 148th in Bellevue. Yeah. The wrecking ball is hitting it as we speak right now. Wow. So, like, you, I I was with you. I think we bought a lawnmower there one time when we lived in Bellevue. Yeah. used to buy our Craftsman tools at that Sears. We used to live on Bell Red Road. And uh, they always had great prices on Levi's at that Sears. Yeah. So the wrecking ball... Uh, if you would have told me when we moved here that someday they're going to just tear this store down and that no one would want to come to Sears anymore, it was always packed. So that's Sears. Uh, by they're, by they're, the time this, this show airs, it might be leveled. They're tearing it down and they're putting in a new JCPenney. <laughs> hey, you guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Rod Dodge. I'm surprised that thing didn't come down like 20 years ago. Uh, also, the Safeway, the top of Queen Anne just came down. I know. That's yeah. just a big hole. It's amazing wall. how they can take those. They took that Safeway down in three days. Just Did you get any clearance items? Gone. I love how everything must go. And then every time you walk in the Safeway, it's like the store is just still packed with merchandise. I thought everything was supposed to go. But anyway. Hey, you guys, don't forget, if you need us, ronanddonsitdown.com. Also, if you want to get signed up for the Nation News, ronanddonsitdown.com. You want to reach out to Ron, do it on his social media channels. Uh, he's real active on Instagram, also on Facebook. Yeah, just look for Ron Upshaw, and you can find me. Don O'Neill in some of those same places. Don O'Neill 34 on Instagram. Don O'Neill on Facebook. And if you want to email us, just go to ronandonsitdown.com and we could do a sit down today. Head up, shoulders back. We'll see you for the next episode. Olay! On the Ron and Don Radio Network. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and keep blowing that trumpet and we'll see you next time. Only! 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 On the Ron and Don Radio Network.